This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from series including The Vampire Diaries, Shatter Me, The Folk of the Air, Akatar, Scythe, Shadowhunters, and Throne of Glass, as well as topics including sexual assault, violence, and discussions surrounding suicide. everybody and welcome to a court of fandoms and exploration your weekly deep dive into the ya literature and fandoms that we love i'm laura marie and i'm jessica marie and today we are discussing morally gray characters they're not the villain they're not the good guy they're kind of in the middle and we really like them <laughs> they're also the hottest no doubt they are the hottest <laughs> Rivaling only the villain, although the way these definitions kind of are, they, you know, could be one and the same. Azrael's also really hot and he's not. Well, we don't know yet. We, we don't, don't know. know. I guess you're. Oh, don't make assumptions. I guess you're right. We're just assuming on like four lines for the last X amount of years. Um, I think it would be a good way to start off this episode that I heard this quote, like this audio on TikTok, and I'm just going to say the quote because I don't know if we could legally play it. Um, but the quote slash audio is, I always wondered why I like the villains more. And I think it might be because when they get on the floor on their knees for her and only her, something in me stirs. A hero would sacrifice her to save the world, showing they are indeed pure hearted and honest. But a villain would tear the world apart if she was hurt. And that is a promise. They seem selfish, manipulative and rude to everyone around but treats her like a queen, his and only his, sitting beside him on a throne with her crown. I think villains are misjudged and that they mo- and that most of the time we don't get to see their story. For if we knew it, the hero may not seem so full of glory. Monsters are made, not born, and any soul tor- tortured. Confused and abused, incidentally, would not have time to mourn. So the next time I defend the villain of the tale, remember that they too were once broken and frail. And I think that is pretty accurate for the villain. But I also think in regards to this episode, it could be applied to morally great characters. And I know we've discussed on our previous episode regarding villains is that villain, morally gray, anti-hero. A lot of these titles are kind of used interchangeably, not realizing that there is kind of a difference, but we automatically label villain if it's not the protagonist. Right. And I think a good example that really ties into the quote that you very beautifully read, by the way, very nice, um, is Kaz from Six of Crows. He he hits all of those, right? Like Inej gets hurt and he like rips out that guy's eye and, you know, won't let anyone touch her and, and would tear the world apart for her. Uh, and he has a terrible, tragic backstory and uh, we love him, right? We love him so much, even though he's a 17-year-old, violent, traumatized virgin, and he'll stay that way for a long time. Uh, we still adore him. So, you know, morally great characters are kind of touchy. As you said, they get lumped in with villains. And as we um, mentioned, it's it's kind of used funny in TikTok videos, too. And Jess, you mentioned this earlier, when we were doing research for this episode, a lot of the stuff that came up was, um, you know, like fellow content makers, like bloggers and stuff listing off their like top 10 morally great characters. But there weren't a lot of people like going into it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I don't know. How do you you feel? Like, I think, I mean, we wanted to kind of bring some sort of substance to this episode because I think it's so easy for us not just you and I, but just like us collectively as fans of the morally gray character to say like, these are my favorite characters, which was a lot of what these bloggers are saying. And and it was great to understand other people's perspective of who's their favorite morally gray character and why. Um, the other thing we, I was finding a lot was um, 
people giving advice and how to write a morally gray character, because obviously there's a lot of writers out there and they want to, you want to hone your skills. You want to make the best version of the characters that you have created in your mind as possible. So I think, I don't want to say there was frustration, but how do you dive into this topic when we so often approach it at a very surface level and 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 swoon worthy level like obviously collectively i i was thinking of the book talk creator Latiera reads she's been doing this amazing phenomenal job reading everybody's book confessions of what we want these characters to do to us and a very relatable and then i take a step back and like are we collectively okay? Like, do we need to discuss this further? And it's, we, that's what it is. We're all like, yes, these are our favorite characters. These are our favorite tropes. These are our favorite this, but is there something deeper? Well, and I think, I think there is something deeper. I think that morally great characters are more fun to read about. And I think they're more relatable. Uh, You can't really relate to somebody that's all the way good and, you know, society kind of judges you really badly if you relate to somebody that's all the way evil because, you know, you don't really want to be evil. You want to be kind of in the middle. So uh, as you mentioned, the writing tips that are given for authors that are trying to write morally great characters, and of course, we are not authors. This is very basic internet research. <laughs> we are not, you know, like telling you how to write. Please, please don't. But uh, what's available on the internet for us is four points. So your morally gray character has to have a motive. They have to have a weakness. They have to have a background and they have to make hard choices. So again, if we use Kaz Brecker from Six of Crows as an example, he has a motive. He's got a weakness. He's got a good background story. And boy, does he have to make hard choices. So I think it will be interesting if we... Um, kind of hold up the characters that are thought of to be morally gray against maybe those four points and against um, kind of our preconceived notions of what morally gray is and kind of see what we get out of there. But, um, you know, I know that you love Jude from The Cruel Prince, and I also love Jude from The Cruel Prince. Do you believe that Jude is a morally gray character? I guess... I, I mean, maybe we touched on it in our villains episode, but I don't, I don't think so. But then when you break it down like this, she has motive. She has weakness. We know her background. She's constantly making hard choices. And even those hard choices, you can, as a reader, you can justify them. And that happens a lot with what the characters that we're reading. I know most recently, even with the Black Witch yesterday, I would be like, oh my gosh, she's making these choices. But then she would make choices emotionally. And I would say, okay, but at the same time, I would have probably done the same. Like, and to what you said just moments before, it's realistically, we're not all inherently pure and good and great. Like you're going, there's going to be emotions and inflections and you're going to have frustrations and anger. Not everybody could be like, oh, that's okay. I understand. There's going to be a point in your life where it's like, you know what? When you take a step back, you might be able to understand. But in when you're living visceral moments, that's not your first thought. And there's something that I want to point out when we are also doing some research is that morally gray and morally like ambiguous are kind of used interchangeably. Uh, and there was a website that both of us found very, very helpful. I just, do you have that website available? TVTropes.org. Yo, they have everything on there and they go in so deep. Yeah. One of the things that, and it's stuff that you don't even think of because I know obviously we think of maybe it's just fresh in our heads um, based on TikTok and media and con life is I'm, we're doing the rewatch of the Vampire Diaries right now. So obviously Damon and Klaus are at the forefront of my mind. Um, but then this website even brought up Mean Girls. I would have never thought Mean Girls on that list of live action, morally gray characters, but they mention. Katie slash Caddy, um, 
as the main character who becomes the mean girl herself, but she turns good again by the end of the film. But through her process, you know, she has motive to take Regina down her weaknesses. She's getting bullied and then, you know, not fitting in, you know, her background with how it started with Janice and Damien and then kind of configuring. And then she's making the hard choice in those in those moments of like well what's the right thing to do and she obviously know what's the wrong thing to do i mean it's definitely deeper than i would have i i I love mean girls i we've gone to the broadway we watch i mean it's quotable it's it's a cult classic uh but i would have never put that on the scale so it's a it's a good website that kind of makes you think further when you're measuring against those four points that laura had listed Right. And so if you just kind of want to put it out there. So morally ambiguous characters are those that are not traditional heroes. As we said, they've done questionable things and they cannot completely be put in a category of right or wrong. So Jess, we have in our notes, like kind of a list of characters and we don't want to go through all of them because that's just what all the bloggers did. And we want to be different, but there are some that I think we should speak on. So I see that Shatter Me gets brought up a lot and I have not Uh read Shatter Me, but Jess, you have. So do you want to speak on it? Yeah, I've read most of Shatter Me. I don't think I read like the last book or the last novella just because I I really don't want it to be over, but I kind of just, it's just because I love Aaron Warner so much. It was the first I read, I did the Akatar, I did Folk of the Air, and this was my second series that I really got into. So I think there was an affinity for that too. And first book, I, I remember I was, I, I've been listening to it. I sent you a voice memo and I t- said to Laura, I go, I know he doesn't have dark hair, but this boy, this guy just showed up. And she's wondering, she, there's this, there's this other character. I can't remember his name because obviously, I mean, I can't say he's in insignificant because he plays a role at some point um but i go this aaron warner guy i go i'm gonna like him he's my and it's the first like it's the first time in a book that i called it right off the back so i was really proud of myself and i liked him and he is and he does everything for the main character and he's damaged and he's tortured and then when you you find out more about his background and you're just like poor baby let me hold you let me give you a hug let me help you heal which is not healthy to like that is not healthy to think that you you should be the person responsible for somebody's healing um in some way I read these books and I'm like, did I, did I regress? I was never that person before. Um, But yeah, he's a hundred percent morally gray and he fights for her the whole time. They're definitely, it's a star crossed lovers, serendipitous thing through the reading. If you have, look, if you're looking for a YA with, it has more spice than the black witch and more spice than I don't does anybody consider shadow and bones have spice because I don't No, but no it's, spice. it's definitely it's spice for YA but not Sarah J Mass spice is I guess what I'll say um, and it's cute and it's it, I, I'm here for uh, Aaron Warner yeah okay so I've got one in Aaron Warner good to know good to I know I thought it was interesting for the list that you found that said Joe Goldberg was considered morally gray because I have watched you I haven't read the books And he, I mean, I would love to hear somebody's defense on thinking that he's morally gray. He's bad. He's like, if, I mean, he, he is bad. He's a, he's a killer. He's a serial killer. And there's nothing, I don't think that there's anything that justifies it, except that he's a stalker. So he kills anybody who gets in the way of his relationship in his stalker mind with this fake relationship turned real because he's a stalker. Um, And it goes on for that for two seasons so far. They're in the third. And all I could think of is Dan Humphrey went off the deep end when him and Serena got a divorce. Like that's, that's my takeaway. (laughs) So Jess, you say that Joe, I know I haven't watched you. Although I love Sarah Gamble, shout out to Supernatural and the Magicians. But you say that Joe is a like a serial killer. Well, we all have our comfort serial killer. (laughs) And, you know, Jude technically could be considered a serial killer. Batman doesn't 
go out of his way to straight up murder people. But does it count when you leave like hundreds of henchmen like crippled or like brain dead or do you know what I mean? Like, okay, they're not technically like dead. You haven't murdered them, but they're in the hospital for the rest of their lives or they can't walk like Okay, so torture. Are you saying like physically torture is involved? I'm just I'm just saying that Batman is a vigilante. And I know that the argument about vigilantes happens in all of the vigilante movies and shows. (laughs) They have that like politic, you know, situation. But um, when we're talking about them in morally gray and looking at them through that filter uh how do you feel about batman does he stack up to what we have listed you know he has a tragic backstory we know he saw his parents get murdered i i in what i've seen from batman i i feel like he has he has a right i I know it's weird to say right um yeah yeah right's not the right the right the proper word. I don't blame him. I don't blame him because at the same time, he's doing it for the greater good. I don't, you yeah. know, because it's not about, it's not about him. Like he gains nothing from this. He's keeping others safe. And I feel like you can speak more to Batman where I'm more familiar with Oliver Queen and Arrow. It's the same thing. They're both billionaire playboys who've gone through something tragic. And now it's about, doing something for the greater good because the government can't get involved or people get, you know, get away with like literally get away with murder. And if you want to bring that, you could think of Gerard Butler and law abiding citizen where, or the punisher or the punish. Perfect. Yes. So you understand, you know, if there was a vigilante or out and there's, you know, pedophiles on the street who get left left out of prison or murderers and they you know i don't you know i it's weird to think would i be okay with that in a present day realistic context and part of me is like well somebody had to you know i think of that one prisoner and this is a real story there was a a guy in prison they were in you know there was there's people obviously in jail and this one guy was a pedophile and was let in with general population. And this guy who was in jail, he was already, um, he was in there for life. So he, he killed the pedophile in jail and people were like, well, so, and he, he said, he goes, I have no remorse. You don't do that to somebody. Um, somebody had to do it. And I was already in here for life. So here you go. So it's weird in a, in a weird way that that was a, a real life vigilante. Um, and I'll tell you what, he had, I guess, like whatever Kickstarter funds people were donating to his cause. He was getting all the money in, in jail because of it. And it's weird because we're so used to talking about this stuff in a, in, I don't, in a fictional context with shows that we're watching or reading. How does it translate into real life? A really good example kind of to branch off of that is from a book series that, Jess, I know you haven't read, but it's for, it's uh, Scythe. And it's so I'm talking about Rowan from Scythe and uh, the the book series is is really it's a difficult concept to stomach. But I think once you get past that, there's I think three books in the series. I was able to read two. I haven't read the third book just because I I know where it's going and I just don't want to deal with it. <laughs> what's it what's it about? Because I've only seen the cover and it looks like the rip like the ripper. There was a, a war and. After the war, everybody on Earth decided that they were no longer able to make like decisions. So they created uh, like a supercomputer cloud. The cloud is what it's called, the Thunderhead, um, that like governs them, that governs oh. the whole world. And like um, and, and it and it cured disease and it fixed the planet and it, you know, controls control the population and gives jobs and. Nobody's hungry, you know, it like solved everything, but people don't die naturally. And um, to fix that, there's a scythe dumb, which is a collection of people that go out to kill people. They're government sanctioned 
and they're basically like untouchable. They can do whatever they want. They're like, they're like celebrities. Um, and they, they have to like meet a quota and they go around and murder people. And then they have like conventions and they get together <laughs> and talk about like, um, but, but they have to do it like ethically and they're, they, they're bound by like a lot of ethics. And uh, the, oh. so the reason why Rowan is a morally great character is a Rowan. Uh, realizes that the Scythum is very corrupt and that there's a coup inside the Scythum and they come after him. And then he takes over as, um, um, oh, spoiler, as Scythe Lucifer, which is a fantastic name, and goes around and starts murdering all of the corrupt sides because nobody else will do it. So same kind of deal. Yeah, because then who's okay if the sides are killing people, who's killing the sides? Nobody. You can't kill a side. The only way a side can die is if they um uh uh they they call it if they reap themselves. Yeah, but then okay, but how do you gain is there only a certain allotted amount of sides? Yes. Cuz then it's like if you were born/created by the cloud, you don't grow up and say I want to be a scythe. And then you get taken into the side. No, you're chosen. You're recruited into the side. Them. The side them and like society exist separate. Oh, that's interesting. It's really interesting. It's a fantastic concept. And, and yeah, it's really good. And like the size, you know, you choose your own name and you choose your own like robes and you choose the way that you murder people. And it has to meet <laughs> like these specific like. It, huh. It's really good. It's a really interesting concept. I just didn't get to the third book, I and I and I won't. Uh, but uh, first two are pretty good. To piggyback off of that, um, I think Reese could be considered. Well, he, we obviously know he's morally gray in the first Akatar book, and then as the reader, we learn he's not really as morally gray as we think when we get to Akamath. However. All of the characters outside of Valaris still see him as the morally gray character slash villain. I mean, all, basically all the way till after the, the the meeting with the High Lords. So what would you classify Reese as? My husband. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was so um. sweet. You're like, he's my husband. Oh. Is he your villain husband? Is he your anti-hero husband? He could be my everything, honestly. I wouldn't even, Doesn't I wouldn't matter. even care. Doesn't matter. He, he, he could be the villain. And I'd be like, hi, honey, how was your day? <laughs> I I want to talk about Shadowhunters. And Jess, yes. I, know, I know you haven't read it, but I fucking love Shadowhunters. And yeah, I know Cassie Clare. I know all about it. You know, the original series isn't my favorite. So let's not talk about it. I am talking about... Um, what is it? What is it? What is it? I'm talking about the dark artifices, which is different. Uh, the dark artifices talking about morally great characters. You have to mention Julian. Julian is absolutely the definition of a morally great character. You go back to our four points. He has motive. He has weakness. He has background. And oh my God, does he make hard choices? Julian uh, uh, murders his father because his father is possessed. And it's terrible. He murders him in front of like all of his siblings. He has like six younger, yeah, like five or six younger siblings. His older siblings are, are like taken away from him because they're half fae. And then, um, his, his like mom, like his whole family's dead. He has one uncle. The uncle starts to slowly lose his mind. So in order this to keep heartbreaking, in order to keep everybody together, Julian at age like I, like 12, maybe he was young, starts running the entire like institute um, in secret uh, while his uh, like writes letters to everything. It's basically he's running like a government like um like sanctuary pretty much. Um, in for in, like in his like world, yeah, and and it's nuts. And he and they say like throughout the the three books that feature Julian uh, Blackthorn, like he's devious. Like no one wants to be his enemy. He will do anything for his family and for Emma, this girl that he's in love with. And uh, he really does scare some of the other characters by the the things that he's willing to do and the lies that he's willing to tell like he will get the job done and i love julian blackford we love a tortured six foot tall <laughs> brown haired 
artist. He's a painter. Uh, we, we love it. And he lives in this like cliffside mansion in California on the beach. Like we, we love Julian Blackthorne. It's funny that you bring that up because like he'll do anything for the people that he loves. And I guess like that's an ongoing thing with the Morley Gray characters. But in my rewatch, it's Rebecca Michelson is going through that. And she goes, why? (laughs) I mean, you can't, you can't not say that. Um, But she's like, everybody's hating on Rebecca. I mean, and Rebecca's a bitch. Uh, She's so annoying sometimes. She's so annoying. Right. And then, but we're at this. I'm at the end of season. We're, we're we're approaching Silas territory right now, and she calls Stefan out on it. She goes, "You are giving me a hard time. You want to protect Elena, blah blah blah." And she I goes, was "Protecting Elena. I, was always, I will always protect Elena." Um, but she goes, "I, you're mad at me, and you're holding me to this standard. But you all are doing the same exact thing that I did for the for my family and the people that I love." But it's just, I love somebody different. Like, I'm not here to protect Elena. I'm here to protect my family. She's like, you all are doing the same exact thing. And I thought that was, I I complete, again, since it's my first rewatch, I forgot that point, you know, because you're, because you're, you know, as the watcher, you're typically watching it like, yeah, protect Elena, protect Damon, like keep baby Gilbert alive. All, you know, your team mystic falls in this moment and you forget it's exactly the, the same exact thing, just with different familial branches. And you're like, oh, Rebecca, you are so right now. You know, if if you're watching it objectively. Well, what's the saying? Every villain is the hero of their own story. And oh, I think yeah. that could absolutely be true when you apply that to morally great characters, too, because they are doing everything for their own like burning reason, right? So they're the hero in, in their own eyes. I think you have to to kind of function that way. And the hero is mm-hmm. their villain. Exactly. Exactly. A series that Jess hasn't read or seen is Game, Are of, we surprised? Is Game of Thrones. Um, there, there's a lot of it. It's tragic. We, we know this. Um, I have read Game of Thrones. I've watched Game of Thrones. Uh, I read uh, all four all four Game of Thrones books over a Christmas break one year. And then um, just like... A week and a half. And then I, I read book five when it came out. Very familiar. My husband is also very familiar. Um, lots of morally great characters in that story. Lots of villains. Lots of really terrible people. Uh, I'll just say Tyrion and I'll say Danny because that's all I'm going to go. That's, that's as deep as I'm going to go on it. <laughs> okay. My question is, and it could be applied to Game of Thrones or morally gray characters as a whole, does there need to be good in all of their choices? Like a reason. In their choices or like in their heart? Mm. In their intention. Their I guess goal. their intention. Because I mean, it's not like my intention was to mass murder people. Right. Uh, okay. But if the mass murder was a means to an end to for the greater good... You know, like Aelin. If you think about Aelin, she she killed all those people. She's definitely a mass murderer. She's a mass murderer. She's <laughs> she's her comfort mass murderer. But it was like like when she went to the oh, I think of Queen of Shadows, where it was like her, uh, Adian, and they were going to that first temple where like they decimate everybody in ten minutes or something. And then they spend the other 10 minutes cleaning up where she's talking to the king and spirit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I sound like a crazy person. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Holy shit. That's that's Empire of Storms. That's. Oh, okay. oh my God. OK. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> there were all those people that she killed. Yeah. But with intention, like she killed those people for the greater good to not have like them can so they can continue on with their journey and their progress and like nobody else was getting attacked right and you could also say that uh Aelin also like murders people and they are like freed right like from the volg or whatever right so right. i mean like so yes she's murdering all these people but these people are like begging to die so <laughs> i don't know Aelin Aelin's a really good one um do you consider her morally gray 
I, you know, I didn't till this conversation. She's my hero. I love her so much. I have her on this pedestal and everything she does is with reason, but I guess she, I mean, I guess she could be considered a morally great protagonist, but you never, it, it's hard because you never discuss how a protagonist is morally gray if we're right. breaking it down this way. Right. Uh, I think it's pretty easy to see uh, Magneto as morally gray. It's really hard not to sympathize with like his cause and, and his horrible, tragic backstory. Uh, you know, nobody uh, likes Nazis, but uh you know, it gets sticky. You got Venom on here. And then, Jess, did you ever finish reading The Bridge Kingdom? No, I didn't even start. I started the first chapter, and I think another book came out at the same time. And then I just kind of, I mean, it's downloaded on my Audible. I have I have both books, I think, too. I think there was just a, a special going that it was included with the Audible one week. So I downloaded them really quick before they were. I mean, they're they're fine. I mean, they're nothing to like write home about. But uh, do I? You know, is Laura in there? Is she a morally great character? Eh, maybe. You know, maybe. I think she kind of ticks all the boxes. But the the thing about ticking all the boxes is that you can kind of make anyone fit, right? That's the thing, and I, I feel like you can even apply that to us as humans, not just characters in a book. Because if we go with these definitions, technically, we're all we are all morally gray. We all have some tragic backstory. Um, it might just not be portrayed as sexy as some of these other as these other characters. No, and that's really fair. So if we flip that, who is a character that is like morally standing? Like can you think of one like right off the bat? Like somebody who's just I mean, I just finished watching uh, the Falcon Winter Soldier, so I'm already like thinking Steve Rogers. That's literally the only character, and that's the whole discussion with the current uh, Captain America, John Walker. Is he's not upstanding? Yeah, I guess you're right. Upstanding, or then Superman, like before Superman, before like like regular old normal Superman before any like plot stuff happens to Superman. Like Clark Kent and Smallville? Sure. Then I don't consider him morally gray. I just no, felt like No, he's like, like he upstanding, was... right? Like right, he, yeah, yeah. He'd be an upstanding. I'm trying to think of like upstanding characters that people can't like argue with. There's no denial. Yeah, okay. So we have two. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of, uh, you know, a lot of other ones. Uh, even like good characters that... Yeah. No. No, uh, you know, Literary Libra did a good TikTok speaking out on how she really is annoyed by morally great characters, their circle of friends. Do you know what I mean? And like, there's I always seen this one. There's all there's always one. You did. You sent it to me. There's always oh. one <laughs> person in the circle of friends that doubts and is oh. a, a roadblock to our morally gray like character but the there are morally gray character is loyal to that person oh she's talking about with was it this with one of her feedback with reading six of crows duology right yeah it was six of yeah. crows and it was also like uh, the comments were talking about like kale and mm -hmm. you know just people that are Ugh, fucking kale yeah people that are Ooh. always in the way and and if you would just step back then everything would be solved but your moral hand-wringing has gotten us caught or something <laughs> it's funny i was this is totally not relatable but it's so every time I was reading Kale, I was like, oh, fucking Matt Donovan. And now that I'm watching Matt Donovan, I'm like, fucking Kale. Like, can you stop already? <laughs> They're literally the same person. Oh, well, Matt Donovan's a good example of that, right? Like, but is it? But see, I think you can question it because he uses vampire blood when it's convenient for him. Like, do something. Use your blood. Aren't you able to save people? Like, he's not... I, he likes to think that he's Mr. Captain America, Mr. Morally, like, sound. No, it's when it's convenient for him. 
And that's what I'm, that's what I've taken away so far in four seasons. Yeah. He's boring, isn't he? Good, Matt Donovan. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking about like TV shows that have a uh, morally great characters and I, you know, I couldn't really get a lot of actual, actual TV shows. Like outside of fantasy? No, just like in, like in in general, just off the top of my head, like stuff that I really love that I could easily identify. I, I really couldn't think of, but I did find stuff for movies. It was just um, like Riddick and the Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, basically, everybody in Starship Troopers, Blade mm-hmm. from Blade. Uh, Quentin Tarantino does Morally Gray really well. And then John Constantine from movies and TV and comics. We love we love Constantine. So those are those are my like movie examples, but you know, there's a million more, but I wasn't going to sit here and like list them all. Um also for a little plug, we have Dune. Um there's a there's kind of a section on that website that we mentioned earlier about the fandoms and tropes. What's it called again, Jess? tvtropes.org tvtropes.org they're talking about the difference between black and gray morality and black morality is like just evil and then gray morality is basically what we're talking about and they mentioned dune and i love dune it's one of my favorite kind of sci-fi fantasy novels and yeah i understand the problems with it but i'm really excited about the new movie coming out with timothy chalamet and i really love the old movie that is just really terrible with patrick stewart but they are saying that Paul and Jessica are, um, you know, gray and or black morality because they manipulate the hell out of a complete religious system to make themselves and like set themselves up as prophets, more or less. I mean, that's not a good thing. No, I know. Here I am, like justifying, like, but in certain circumstances, doesn't manipulation like. And, and yes, maybe it was faded. I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> you know, destiny. There's all sorts of things. But um just like looking at it like right on its head, it's it's not a good thing to take advantage of religion and set you up as saints. Oh my god, uh the road to El Dorado. That's the whole plot of the road to El Dorado. <laughs> I, I remember saw, that. Oh, that's right. Cause I complete I only saw that movie once. Should watch it as an adult. It's very sexual. Yeah, I feel like that that's the case with a lot like if I just went through the entire Disney Plus archives, I'd be like, what, how, how did I? But obviously you don't see certain things, but there's that. I think we had that discussion of that shift into quote unquote, like adulthood of when you start agreeing with King Triton before and I'm you 16 stop years old, I'm not a I'm child, not a, like, sit down, you are a child want some land dick that's all ariel wants to a guy she doesn't even know yo eric is fine as hell though look i love me a dark hair light eye male don't With get a me dog off. he's got that dog that's all i want in a man max come on max we love him okay morally gray versus villains Jess, why do we love them so much because we identify with them and we like what to see complex men struggle what, what is it with us? I feel like with the morally gray, it's there's there's still some goodness. Whereas a villain, that goodness is questioned. You're like, not even questioned. Typically, if if you're a hundred percent villain, there is no, there is no soul. There's no goodness. It is completely selfish. Whereas morally gray, that selfishness, it's extended to a select few. You know, do you think that ties into the trope of, you know, like women wanting to fix like a broken man? Are we throwing our feminism out the door? You know what? Because the morally gray characters that we love, those males are not allowing the women to throw their feminism out the window. They are embracing it. They are putting these women on a pedestal to be like, embrace your feminism. I am your, your servant. <laughs> Maybe that's what, that's part of what it is. Like the morally gray character there's cause the women with the characters that we like, they're not 
fixing them. They're all the same people. They're just kind of growing together and understanding each other's perspectives. Whereas the villain is just like tunnel vision. That's it. No other external thoughts maybe, or people can impact why they think the way they do. When you think of a, a morally great character and then you think of like a villain and a completely good character, I personally think that morally great characters communicate better. I, I yeah. feel like they communicate their thoughts and their feelings and their wants and their needs better than any of the other two. What do you think? Yeah, because, well, even if it's reluctant to some, at some point during their the character dynamics, it is revealed. It's not like they're going, and that's, and that's very relatable to real life too. We're not spilling everything. You know, there's a, a relationship grows and that eventually, you know, that communication is there and understanding the character even more. Oh, I can't think of her, her name, but we've been sharing a lot of her stuff. We'll, we'll put it in the notes. There's a, a book talker and she always talk, she, she typically leans towards enemies to lovers and she'll say, I have another oddly specific book trope and in it, you just, you know where it's going and your heart is so full, but everything she says, you're like, yes, that that's another reason why I love that morally gray character because there's the, the caring is there. The, the vulnerability is there. The communication is there. And I think that probably the communication also ties into that vulnerability because they're allowing themselves that moment of weakness. And I think, we all kind of want to have somebody who's willing to show a softer side of them than the external force we kind of present to the public. Where would you put Castile? Oh, morally gray. Not even a question. Okay. I mean, he's, uh, can, can I be like, if there's a polyamorous relationship to be in, him, Cass, Castile, Azriel, Reese, I just... Let me have my own little reverse harem there, right? But <laughs> like the, in the, is it in the first book? No, maybe it's like right at the set. Yeah, the second book, uh, Kingdom of Flesh and Fire, where they're eating dinner and somebody says something snarky to Poppy and Castile literally rips his heart out. And he goes, now everybody else knows, don't fuck with this person. And then later in the book, he goes, uh, she's my wife you might want to take a step back. I just, uh, I cannot wait for that third book. To, and now I'm worried, what if we're hyping this third book? We're, we're recording this episode in April. So this, and being aired in June. So the book will already be out. What if we've just built this hype and it falls flat? I've read some other books of hers and I'm not thrilled. So I'm now I'm worried. Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. Fingers. Was it arms, to. fingers, and legs crossed? <laughs> Toes, everything. Mm -hmm. mm. Don't do Castile dirty. No. We can't have nice things. Okay. So if Castile, Castile's morally gray. So then would you consider Cardin morally gray then? I don't know what he did that would can. Oh, hold on. Let me go back to our list of four things. I, I mean, it's it's weird. What did he have motive for? I mean, we know his background. We know his weakness. We know he had choices. But what was the thing that was motive to do something bad? I don't see him. What did he do that was... He was cruel, right? Like he... Oh, the cruel prince. Yeah. Um, he like tortured, you, you know, he, he was his like bad self for all those reasons that we learned, right? Like we learned all of his backstory. But I don't consider... I, hmm, he was cruel, but that, I feel like there's a difference between being cruel and mean, maybe. Okay. So, okay. This is really interesting. So then uh, if we're using all of these kind of um, uh, labels, <laughs> e well, no, no, I'm, I'm going to say parameters and I'm sure my editor, you know, editor Sam is going to go, oh, that's not the right word. And he's going to be so pissed. I can't, you're going to, he's going to be walking out. Like, that's not what you guys are, but, like, he's going to be so frustrated. He's going to be so mad at us. Um, <laughs> but like, but using, using all of these kind of, um, uh, qualifiers that we have. So is Cardin just like not damaged enough? Is he not like violent enough? Because he says like his redeeming quality is that he isn't a killer. He does right. all the other stuff, but he doesn't kill people. Uh, so do you have to like kill people to be morally gray? Oh, with all the people we talked about so far. Oh, they're all mass murderers because this is the day. This is the time and the place and the age. <laughs> we like mass murderers. <laughs> I don't know. 
because Cardin is, he's the cruel prince. He's a bully, but that doesn't mean all bullies are morally gray either. No, not at all. Not at all. Just because you're a bully doesn't. But I'm looking at this, this list and these people have murdered people. I can't. Okay. Okay. I've got Jay Gatsby from The Great Gatsby on here. I cannot remember if he specifically murders the old man or or what exactly happens. So please let us know. But uh, he's the only one on our list that I can't exclusively say, like, yes, he's murdered at least three people. I want to know. I think it'll be fun to hear whoever's listening to this episode because this is not like a fandom in a way. I would love to hear what, other people what they would consider morally great characters or not who we've mentioned they're like well i kind of disagree with that just like how you have that blogger list saying like joe from you is morally Mm-mm, to me no absolutely not he is not morally gray it would be it really would be interesting to hear other people's insights and especially if you think of i'm thinking of cat writing is my passion is her instagram and her tiktok i think she does a lot of the femme male character cosplays and she has i feel like she has a good insight of the people that she um portrays because she loves a morally great character well that'd be exciting but i feel like there's more people out there who can contribute to that like oh you didn't mention this person or you didn't mention this person somebody that we haven't mentioned is tia from the bone witch i'm halfway through the bone witch i haven't finished it i know it's a series i'm in it but i can already see how she is a morally great character so i'm about that i'm aware of that i'm working on it do you think morally great characters have to be distinguished as such right out the gate or could be in development because you said you're halfway through and you haven't made up your mind about her um i think it's clear where she's gonna go you can kind of see that she you know when the path diverges she doesn't take the all-American Captain America goody two-shoes path. She takes the the path that's kind of sus. And, you know, I respect a character that takes the sus path. I like that. You know, it is what it is. Is it sus or is it just not safe? Sus. Okay. It's sus because it is, it's not the immediately like right thing to do. It is self-serving. And yeah. And I, I, and that, that's another thing though. Like I think, I think a morally gray character has to be slightly self-serving. Makes sense. Because then otherwise it wouldn't be morally gray. Yeah. It would be selfless. Yeah. Because like, because if you're evil, you're murdering people for like a goal. But if you're morally gray and you're murdering people, it's to like. It's still for a goal, but the goal is different. It's different. It's for like money or it's for like something. I don't know. I just, I feel like morally gray characters are not on the same scale as like villains because villains usually have like a, like a, I'm going to blow up the world kind of thing. And morally gray characters are like, I'm just going to murder these people because, you know, uh, there's revenge involved. I'm not going to blow up the planet. You know what I mean? Although if you have to think about it, what's the difference between a villain and a supervillain? I know there's a lot. There's like whole series about that. Is it the scale of which they've villainized? <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. Uh, well, like Dr. Horrible's sing-along with um, Neil Patrick Harris and Felicia Day and uh, Nathan Fillion, like that he's trying to get, you know, into like the... Super villain club. Super villain club. Yeah. You know, and like Harley tries to get I was gonna in. say Harley was trying to yeah. get to the League of Assassins. Yeah. And then so, when like, she's in... She doesn't want to be there. Yeah. So, like, that is a whole, like, trope in and of itself. Like, a regular villain trying to, like, make the step up into super villain. So, I think that's interesting that, like, within villains, there is a hierarchy. I love that. It's just weird to think that we could all live in a kumbaya. Like, as much as we'd love, like, equality. Think of even when you're there, when there's a group project at, like, its basic foundation. There's, there needs to be a leader. Otherwise, no, who's going to wrangle everybody in? Oh, God. No, group projects are terrible. We hate group projects. Oh, my God. Just let me just let me do the whole thing. Just let me do the uh, whole thing. I'll put your name on it, and that's the end of it. Like, please, please no. Please no. You know what? I just don't like my grade relying on somebody else's lack of motivation. So, Jess, I, I know we're just about to like close this up, but I'm looking at one of these definitions that I have, and it said... Um, 
you know, if you're looking at something about shades of gray, characters who know that they have a bad side or a habit or some trait that is characteristically wrong and they fight against it are part of the reasons why we love morally gray characters. So if you're using that definition with somebody with like a detrimental habit, like smoking or like drug use or something like that, would that make somebody a morally gray character if you're going solely by like our qualifiers here? But does it's just smoking or substance abuse? Does that count morally gray? Like that to me, I, I don't wouldn't... know. I'm asked. I don't know. I, I don't know if that feels. It it, it doesn't feel right, right? No. Like it feels wrong. If those are the examples, no. Okay. Okay. It was just in, something that just caught my eye. I was like, hmm. Oh, I had a question just because the trailer came out recently. Um, Loki. Everybody's crazy for him but is he a villain or is he an anti-hero he doesn't feel morally gray because nothing he like it just this conversation reminded me of tom hiddleston's representation of loki Mm. and this is just like i know how much you love thor ragnarok and (laughs) you obviously love um a morally gray character so i just i wanted to get your insight on that uh, I think I think Loki's morally gray. I think he kind of uh, dips into anti-hero territory. I I don't think that he is ever a villain. I think in all instances where you could consider him like a like a big bad, there was a reason like somebody above him that was kind of pulling the strings like he was never kind of in charge on his own. I love him. I can't wait for his show. I think that if we're looking at our four things that Loki has motive he has weakness he has background and he makes hard like crappy choices thor says he betrays him like constantly so uh yeah i i think he's a he can fit into a morally gray category easily but that he can flow through a bunch of different ones and that is uh in in league with his character i'm good all my points are made just tell me about what is next So this episode will be airing on May 17th, which puts us at next week's episode will be Shadow and Bones Netflix comparison. Um, We're going to be, it's a month from the release of the show. We're going to be discussing things we liked, things we didn't like. I mean, you probably know it was a struggle for us to read the trilogy, but not so much the duology. So Feel free to follow us. Join the discussion. Um, Follow us on everything, too. We're going to be... We've had some really fun mile markers lately, and we're doing giveaways and just interacting more. Um, You can follow us at Acafe Podcast on Instagram, A-C-O-F-A-E, and on TikTok, we're both Acafe Laura and Acafe Jessica. And thanks so much for listening to us. Make sure to interact. As Jess said, we love y'all. Y'all are the best. And I can't wait for everything in the future. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much for listening.